Hi everyone, welcome back to the Iron Ring Girls podcast. This is your host Mina, the creator of Iron Ring Girls and a civil engineer here in Toronto, Canada. On today's episode, I spoke with Abigail who studied civil engineering focusing on environmental engineering. Abigail actually didn't like the company culture of the place she started working at after graduation. She walks us through her interview process that led her to her current job that she really likes. So if you're someone who's kind of stuck at a job where you don't fit into the culture, this is a great podcast episode to listen to. Let's get started. Hi, Abigail. (laughs) So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining this interview session. Um, I wanted this to be a completely organic uh, conversation. So I didn't even ask one question from Abigail before we started (laughs) the recording. So tell me a little about yourself. Uh, So my name is Abby, and I'm originally from uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area, and I'm currently living in um, southern Indiana near Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I graduated spring 2020, so a little over a year ago now, with my civil engineering degree, with my concentration in environmental engineering, water resources, that kind of thing. Um, Started working right after college in a, a water resources, like water distribution kind of a job. Uh, worked there for about a year, and I actually just started a new job in geotechnical engineering, so on the the soil side of things. When you say environmental engineering, when you were a student or before you even started working in the field, what what what, what was your imagination of like what is environmental engineering? Like what came to mind? What what pictures came to your mind? My like, I guess my aspirations for like being an environmental engineer was always to do things more hands-on. I think some concentrations of engineering, you can get kind of stuck in an office uh, or behind a computer a lot. And I always wanted to be able to get out and do things outside with my hands. So I always pictured environmental engineering being like going out and like taking samples and like seeing what's actually out there, whether it was with water or soil or rocks or whatever it might be, just actually getting out there and doing things hands-on outside. Were you the kind of, when you were a kid, were you the kind of person that like went and played in, like you really liked, you know how some kids have that bond with nature and they just always like to be outside? Were you that kind of person when you were younger? Yeah, I was. Um, me and my grandma actually were always the the gardeners in the family. So we would oh. always set up like the bird feeders outside and we'd always do the gardening and make sure there were lots of like flowers and we'd do like a vegetable garden in the spring and stuff. So I was definitely a very outside, like get in the dirt kind of a kid. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like carried on as I started learning more about like what I wanted to do as an adult that just kind of like traveled through with me. It was just a part of you and then it was like it was always a part of you and it kind of mm-hmm. went on as you started Definitely. picking your profession. Yeah. So then there's a lot of professions out there that have to do, you know, that you could have very hands-on experiences with. What made you go towards this direction, like civil? So it's actually kind of a, a weird background. Um, right before I started my junior year of high school, so I don't know, like five or six years ago, um, I got kind of like a an internship but not really an internship at um an urban farm it's a a few acres of land that there was a big flood back in 2010 in the area of Nashville and it wiped out a lot of houses and so Metro Nashville 
purchased that property from the homeowners and gave that land to the group that I was working with and they made a teaching farm. So they had some like intern youth leaders that we were called come out and they had kids from the community um, come and do summer camp basically on this farm. And we had different like lessons that you would do. So there was like an environmental impact station and a like gardening farming station. This is just like then, a summer session thing or? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I think it was eight weeks long is how long they were actually oh, okay. like, on the camp and you would come the same day each week. So like there were okay. five groups, they would come for eight weeks, like one group on Monday, one group okay. on Tuesday. Right. And then just, I always, like I said, I always really liked being outside and that kind of like sciencey stuff. But when we actually are talking about like endangered animals and like how like erosion was being impacted by like invasive species and things like that, I was like, man, that's like super cool. <laughs> and at the time I was starting some community college classes classes, and I didn't have to like declare a major for community college because um, mm -hmm. I was still in high school, but I started looking around at what kind of programs were out there at different schools. And I saw civil engineering and I was like, that's like kind of cool. And then I saw environmental as like a subset. I was like, oh, that's like exactly what I've been super interested in like this summer. Oh, so you went into civil eyeing the environmental part of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you kind of just yeah. knew right from the beginning that you wanted to go to that subspecialty under mm -hmm. civil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all started. And then I kind of, I came out open-minded where if I started taking some classes that were, you know, structural or like transportation mm -hmm. and I really liked them, I would be open to kind of shifting that path. But I came in kind of gearing towards environmental and, and that kind of thing for sure. And when did you have to make that decision? Because I remember, I think it was in our third year where we had to choose our subspecialty. When was it that you had to choose? And, and wait, actually before that, did you, was that <laughs> so many questions? Was it four years for you or five years? Or how many years did it take you to graduate? Um, so the program is four years. I graduated in three years. Um, oh because I had those community college classes. So when I started my freshman year, I already taken like English and my speech classes, things like that. So I came in taking like chemistry two and like physics and things like that. So I was kind of a adjusted freshman, I guess. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. interesting. So your hours and the courses that you took in high uh, in community college actually counted towards your university degree. Yeah, so I don't know if they had this kind of thing where, where you are, but um, it's dual enrollment classes. So I was taking them for college credit and high school credit at the same time. So like I took general chemistry one at a community college and it counted for credit at my high school as well. Mm -hmm. And then when I started college, I already had that class done right, right. on my transcript. So that's how I finished in three years. And I took two summer classes. So I guess three years and a semester I took. Wow. Um, you you were just like, I want to beat through <laughs> this process. Yeah. Get my degree. Done. And save the planet um, ASAP. <laughs> yeah. So three years for me, but typically it's a four-year program for my school. There's no mandatory like co-ops or anything like that. So you can just go straight through if you want to. Um, we don't actually have to declare a concentration. Um, you can just, you can change like your last semester if you want to. Basically the way our program was is you had to take two sequence classes um, in one concentration and that would be your like focus. Mm -hmm. So I took... Um, water and wastewater 
engineering design and a like environmental sciences kind of class like air pollution that kind of thing that was my like sequence um but i could have taken two transportation classes or two structural mechanics classes and that would have been my focus but on paper it's not anywhere that i'm like an environmental engineer right yeah no, yeah right and do you um are you in touch with your grandmother still yeah i am actually is she proud of you yeah she's she was kind of sad when I moved away. I live about three hours away from home currently, and she was sad that I moved, but um, I try and come back home whenever I can because it's still a, a day trip back right. home and whatnot. Um, so I was actually came and saw her back in May for, for Mother's Day and oh. we got lunch and everything. And I like to send her pictures of my garden at my house and stuff to keep her <laughs> keep her in the loop. That is so sweet. <laughs> That's so sweet. So Ever since you started working, because you're on your, um, you said you had one job and then now you changed to a second job. Ever since you started working, do you find your work to be what you had imagined it to be? Like, what what's your feeling towards what you do? So my first job, just kind of like all around, was not a good fit for me personally. Um, it wasn't hands-on type stuff and it wasn't the best like environment just like in the office um it was a lot of like report writing which i think everybody knows is going to be a part of engineering no matter what you do you've got to write things up but what, what do you mean it wasn't a good environment was it the work or was it the people the culture what what what's, what what about that yeah. so it was the company culture um it was a very conservative company culture very strict um and I like to have things a little bit more, not casual, but a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. um, and just some of the policies weren't the best and didn't really like value lower employees. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be an unvalued employee for years until it gets better. So I decided to just kind of <laughs> just cut that off now and try to seek out somewhere where I'm more valued as a person and actually have better experiences going to work every day and you had to write a lot of reports and things like that you said right yeah and it was the, it was just a lot of not even like technical analysis of data it was just a lot of like writing paragraphs on paragraphs of like oh where is this project located and you know what is like the background history you're like pulling random figures off the internet and stuff like that and it wasn't very like fulfilling mm -hmm. of you know, I went to school all this time. I want to do what is like passionate to me and writing reports on like a water main being replaced isn't like where my passions lie. And just kind of looking into the feet, like looking at people in the office that are farther into their career at this company than I am, I didn't really see the work changing as you went oh, up the ladder. Point. You know, you've only been here for a year. Obviously, you're not going to be designing like these huge projects. But if you look up at your superiors and they're doing basically what you're doing now, mm. like, well, why would I stick around for a decade to do what I'm doing right now right. <laughs> for all this time? What a good way to look at it. Kind of like, so you're at that company and then you're doing this work. And sometimes people are like, you know what, I'll pull through, maybe I'll do the grunt work for the first year or two, but then at right. least I'll turn into like this person. But then you saw those people and you're like, yeah you don't want to turn into those people and you don't want to do what right. they're doing. Because when I was starting to think about looking for other work, I wanted to make sure I was 
thinking about it in like a logical way and not just like an emotional, like I'm stressed at work and I don't want to be here anymore kind of a way. Cause it's hard to be like less than a year into a job and want to move into a different direction. It can feel like you're a quitter. And I think especially being like a woman in the industry, it feels like you're being like run out mm. by the men. And I just didn't want that to be the emotional aspect. So I was like, well, I need to look and see, do I even see a future here at all? And the answer was no. So I moved on. And how long did it take you to realize that you were there for a year? But when, when was, you said a year, right? You were, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to kind of think about it logically, take the feeling out of it and then make that final decision? So I wasn't ever like super happy in the job, but I'd say maybe like six ish months in, I started thinking like, maybe this is not for me. And then a couple of months later, so about two, two and a half months, I actually started like applying for new positions from when I realized like, I'm really not happy to being like, I actually need to like mm-hmm. get out of here about, about two and a half months. So you went about it pretty, like you said, logically, whereas you didn't just say, I'm tired of this. This isn't for me. I quit you. You, you understood that you were having those feelings you waited it out for two months and made the decision and then you started looking for jobs and then you didn't leave until you found that position. Is that right? right. The next position. Okay. Correct. So I started applying for jobs. Um, I think middle of February, somewhere around there. And I ended up accepting my current position um, at almost the very end of April. Okay. So very March and April. So two mm-hmm. months. How was the, yeah. how was the job hunt? Uh, process for you it wasn't too bad Um, I know this time last year it was a lot worse so I think the job market is starting to pick back up some with um, businesses just getting back more activity um, as restrictions are being lifted Um, I ended up having a few companies contact me for like first round like phone interview type things Mm -hmm. and then I went into this current job for a second round interview and got the job offer the next week. And I just felt a really strong connection with the people in the company Mm -hmm. throughout the interview process. And so I didn't even wait to see if other companies (laughs) wanted to like follow up me. I was like, I just feel like this is good for for me. Yeah. It clicked for you. That's really good. And so we're talking about this year, February, right? Like 2021. Mm -hmm. So you're basically looking for a job, you're unhappy at a job and there's a pandemic going on. Um, things are locked, like people are in lockdown. I don't know how it was um, on that side of the world, but like I'm in Ontario, Canada and it's been pretty, you know, we've been on lockdown for a long time now. So you're not happy there's a pandemic going on and you're looking for a job. How did you apply for these jobs? Um, what was I your main my, source of, you know? Yeah. Um, I used like quite a few job sites like Glassdoor and LinkedIn, things like that, just to like, to like see postings. And I would find job postings on those websites. And then before I would apply, cause sometimes you see like a job listing and you're like, oh, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And then you look more into the company and you realize the company itself is not really what, what you want to work for. So I would kind of do a little bit of like background research <laughs> before okay. I apply. Cause I didn't want to get stuck in the same spot I am. Right now, you know, 
Um, so I do some background research, look at reviews of the company, and then actually submit my application online. And most people were doing phone and video interviews for like as many phases as possible. And then bring you in for an in-person interview at the very like last right stage but you still did the in-person interview as well mm-hmm. oh yeah how was that yeah, how was so, the interview like describe it to me like describe the interview session for me <laughs> um so for this job I had like I guess three phases kind of like two and a half really I had a uh zoom interview with a recruiter out of um a different office and we talked for about 45 minutes and just asked generic, you know, basic background questions just mm-hmm. to get to know where I was coming from, what I wanted to do, if I was, you know, a good fit for the job at all. Mm-hmm. And then she passed along my information to the office manager of my current location, um, just to let him know what she thought about me, that kind of thing. And then he called me the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. Um, Were you nervous just- for that one? A little bit, just because it was the person I would actually be working with. Right. I think when you're talking to someone who's kind of like a a faceless blob, you know, they're in the company, but you probably won't see them right. on a daily basis. It's a little bit less nerve wracking. Um, and so I talked to him for like 15 minutes and he just kind of gave me a general breakdown of like, here's what your actual job will be. And then he was like, are you still interested? Like, yes. Um, so he, I came in the following Friday. So it was about two weeks from process video to in-person interview. Um, so I came in during my lunch break, went and talked to the office manager and one other um, project manager in the office. And then it was very casual. Um, Did they ask you technical it, questions about like, um, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't technical at all? No, they, um, they, they both brought like notepads with them to like make notes about me or whatever, but which is very casual. They didn't really ask me anything and didn't write anything down. <laughs> um, just kind of talked about what I had been doing at my previous job, why I wanted to come here and then went on a tour of the office. And mm-hmm. while we were on the interview, we were walking around and um, everyone has like their own actual office in my building Mm -hmm. um not like cubicles and we're walking around and we pass the door yeah and the (laughs) the manager goes oh yeah I'm like that'll be your office there and I was like well I guess I'm getting the job oh so they kind of made that decision I guess it clicked for you and for them like it was like a mutual vibe yeah good for you that's really cool and did you ask them any questions too or was it just mostly them asking you questions yeah, I asked a lot of questions, both of the recruiter and the guys that I met with um, in my in-person interview. Mm. I really had like put a list together of things that were like red flags and concerns about my current job. I was like, I need to know where this company stands on those things. If it's an issue at this company, it will be an issue at this new company if they have the same stance. Mm. And so I really just wanted to know what's different about this place versus where I am currently. Cause if it's the same, I'm just going to stay at my current job, you know? Yeah. Um, but I asked a lot of questions about that, about like the workplace culture and just kind of how things are on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then they asked a few questions about me and something that I thought was a, a really impressed, like not impressive, but kind of impressive thing is um, they actually voluntarily kind of talked to me about 
what the status of like women and minorities in the office was. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because my my previous job, I actually asked them about that. I was like, do you have like women in your office? And um, the guy I talked to said yes. And then I get to my first day and the answer was really yeah. basically no. <laughs> So you were under the impression, and this is your first job out of school, you're under the impression that there are going to be, and actually very interesting that you asked that question um, from them, and your impression is that you're going to go to work on a first day and there's going to be other um, females in the office, but there weren't. Yeah, so there were there were two okay. currently working there, but I was under the impression there would be like a decent portion of the office. Right. That office had about 40 people, I think, and mm -hmm. two of them were women. And I was thinking more like 10, you know, mm -hmm. a, a decent portion. And they hired me and another girl at the same time. So we doubled the population of females <laughs> from two to four. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, it felt disingenuous to be like, yeah, there's like a lot of like women and it's like, you know, less than 10% of the office. Um, but the current office I'm in, there's six employees, including me now, who are in the office, like full time. There's a few others that are in like the lab and out doing like field stuff um, full time, but full time in the office, there are six people and two women. So we're a third of the office. I see. Okay. So overall, this is a smaller company than the previous one. In this location, at least. I yeah, they're similar size overall, but this office is just pretty small. Um, so like there's only two women in the office, but it's a third, which is kind of representative of the industry. So I feel like that's a good sign. And when I was talking to them, they were just like, yeah, like, you know, my boss is a woman and like her boss is a woman. And it's like, talk to me about how like a lot of management and other like women in the company are like out and about and like mm -hmm. making a lot of um, like, lateral and forward moves right. in the company so that was pretty cool to hear like voluntarily talk to people right. and when you see these women or even maybe like men at the higher positions at this company do you think that's something that you would want to do when you're in their position i think so um i haven't talked to a ton of them yet um still pretty new at the, at the job but um, it was nice, like my direct manager, when I first started, he sent out an email and was like, you know, welcome Abby to the team. She's starting, you know, whatever. Um, and a couple of the other women in the um, group both like emailed me back and were like, hey, like if you've got any questions, like before like contact me and like here are some groups that I'm part of, like for the industry that I think you'd be like a great member of. And it just felt a lot more like welcoming on on both sides of like the gender you know, barrier to be like welcoming me to the group um, and just having like women that are farther up ahead of me that can be almost like mentor figures was really nice because there was no line like that in my previous job. It was just whoever was in your office, that's who you had access to pretty much. So for you, this company culture and the ratios um, between like the number of men and women, it, it was kind of like a deal breaker for you like yeah. company culture is making a job and that you really weren't enjoying it's actually making you enjoy it now yeah yeah I think if if I had been talking to them and like looking around online and realized that it was going to be the same kind of strict 
you know, conservative corporate culture with mm -hmm. no minorities, I, no matter how much I liked the position, I think I would have turned it down regardless because I just am very like passionate about like advancing women in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to work long-term for a, like a position that doesn't have those same kind of like core values of like advancing underrepresented populations, you know? And you went about it a really smart way because you learned, you were at a position where you didn't like the culture, but then you took the negatives of that space. You wrote a list down and you're like, okay, this is what I don't like about this place. So the next place I'm going to apply, I'm going to, it's like going into a relationship, right? It's like you, yeah. an X and then you're like, okay, these are red flags for me. So the next yeah. relationship I get, and you did the same thing. You're kind of, you actively looked out for it to, um, to help you advance in your career. And I think that's a very smart way to go about it. So Talking about the work that you do, tell me what's a day in at work look like for you? Like what exactly do you do? Like let's say if somebody decides to, to go into civil and then they choose to go into environmental, what should they expect a day of work to look like? What do you do? So I'll talk about kind of both positions because they're in two different fields kind of. Um, so my Current job is geotechnical, so that's a lot of um, soil and asphalt. Um, I'm actually currently out of town from my home location, I'm working in our soils lab um, last week and this week. And so if you were to go into a lab position for geotech, um, I've been doing a lot of testing on the soils. So you'll come in and you get, usually you'll have like an assignment sheet and um, like some tests you'll have to like grind the sample down so you'll have like a, a pan of loose dirt and you have to grind it to to pass a certain like level sieve um and then you'll have to like prep that sample to whatever standard you have so it might be like an astm standard and you have to prep it a certain way mm -hmm. and then you'll actually run the test and all of that will go to whatever engineer assigned that to you in a report form and then the engineer takes that and will make the full report with all of the data and the pictures and where the samples are taken, things like that. And that goes back to the client. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a lot of, of hands-on with dirt and, and rocks and pavement in the lab side. And then on the, the engineering side, um, there's a lot of engineers still work in the lab, but in the typical like office engineer setting for geotech, um, you'll go out and do a lot of like soil borings and kind of like monitor the like drill rig team because um, you'll need to get different kinds of soil samples depending on what kind of project you have. And um, you need to make sure that the, the drill rig operator is going to get the right samples because sometimes a certain location you think you need to drill is actually right. not an intact sample. So you have to tell them kind of how to go. Uh, about fixing that and you then um, yeah and then you'll also send that back to the lab and tell them well I have this like Shelby tube and I need you to run x y and z test um, and then like I said you'll compile all of that when it comes back to you and send it back out to the client and in a report form um, and kind of advise them in in your report of like oh well your soil is like 
really not going to hold a lot of weight. So maybe you should consider this kind of foundation instead of this kind of foundation or like moving, your, <laughs> moving your project, um, that kind of thing. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, so Does um, that happen? Do you actually tell them that, like, let's say if they've decided to build something at a certain location, would you actually tell them like, no, this, like, for example, soil capacity for this area is, it's not, you can't build on it. And then they would go, would that ever, did that ever happen? Uh, it hasn't happened to me, but um, I had a, a professor in college who worked in the industry for a while before he came back to school to get his PhD and, and teach. And um, he had talked about a couple of times that they, somebody wanted to build this big, huge building on a site and it was just going to, it had a capacity of like, I don't know, like a thousand pounds. And they wanted to have this huge like mall or whatever. And he was like, we can do like super, super deep foundations. That's going to increase your budget by, you know, five mm -hmm. times or whatever. He was like, or you can buy like a different plot of land somewhere. And they ended up moving it because just like the cost of doing those super deep foundations to hit mm -hmm. rock was going to be astronomical. So Always do a soil test before you invest in yeah. property. <laughs> that's what I learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's geotech. And then on the like water resources side, um, at my previous job, I did clean water distribution. So I didn't do any wastewater stuff. That was a whole different um, right. side of the office. So the, I guess, typical project is going to be with treatment plants. Um, sometimes you'll do like a full scale design for like a whole new plant. And sometimes um, plants just need to add some kind of like process for like extra treatment and so you'll do the design for like that one process and make sure it fits in with everything else when you say design um the plant you would actually design the plant yeah like ground oh. up um so that's actually what I was working on when I left my previous job there was a plant in um, Ohio that had been constructed originally in the 1910s to 20s no one actually knows because those plans are gone mm -hmm. um so it's you know 100 years old and a lot of the parts have been around since like the 70s so even the young stuff is like 50 years old and so it's it's got a lot of crumbling infrastructure you're seeing like the rebar and the concrete and that kind of stuff and so they're actually going to demolish a lot of it and build a new plant on that same site. So we were working on um, adding some new processes that were going to be more cost effective, more time efficient, right. while trying to still reuse some of the Existing. like new new stuff, because there are some things that were built in like 2008. So like those don't okay. need to be replaced right now. Um, so we're putting in brand new filters, brand new sedimentation basins, brand new clarifiers, brand mm -hmm. new pumping stations, like everything brand new. So you've got to go through and make sure that, first of all, you've got to get your rated capacity because everything you put in has to be able to produce at least whatever your flow is going to be. So if you have to have 12 million gallons per day treated, you can't have one piece of equipment only treats eight, you know, mm. so you got to make sure everything has the right capacity. Right. And then, especially when you're tying in to existing um, treatment processes, like with this one, um, you have like your hydraulic grade where like everything is flowing down. So if you have to tie in 
you know, here and here, you can't have this process be, you know, down here just because it's easier. So you got to make sure everything fits with the existing um, property and with the existing um, buildings and then right. also with your space because you can't always just expand your property out. Um, especially if you're in like a residential area, you can't just yeah, like buy somebody's limit. house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what that job was, was a lot of treatment plants, um, the occasional like pipe replacement, things like that, but usually larger scale right. um, designs. Does your job ever get repetitive for you? Um, it hasn't yet at my new job, but at the old job, it definitely did. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you're just writing the same kinds of things over and over again. You just don't and like then, report writing. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I know it's part of the job to a certain extent, but when that's all you do, it can be a little bit much. But yeah, it's like when every single report has, you know, the about the, the site section and, you know, the history oh, yeah. and yeah. you've got to do a thousand like population projections, things like that. It's like every day you come in and you're like, all right, let's like, get Excel open and we'll uh yeah make this little like line graph so that was a little bit repetitive always like a little bit different um and then always you have like your like snafus of like not being able to find what you need right. um but my current job so far has not been repetitive a lot of the tests are the same but the samples with soil being so different like regionally right. even you're never going to have like the exact same test okay. run two days in a row. So like the core is the same, but the bulk of the job is going to vary as we right. do things. And is that interesting for you? Like, are you happy with like, do you feel, and I know this might be a little too early on to ask you this question because you kind of just started your career and you're still experiencing things. But at this time in your life, do you feel like, is your job fulfilling or is it no not yet like you're still trying to find another type of work that's you know more I would say like more in in line with your character and, and personality so I'm still kind of like settling into this like current job but I think it has the potential to be fulfilling um and part of that's with like the company itself mm -hmm. um like the the work may not be a hundred percent fulfilling, but the company itself does a lot of like charity work and gives back to the community and things like that. So like the work gets me like you know here, and then the company and what they contribute is you know the rest of the bump up. I think to being able to like do what I want to do with my life. How interesting that company culture plays such a huge role in in your decision making towards like whether you want to stay at a company um and how long you want to stay at that company and right. um i've experienced that myself too and you're absolutely right like your job will take you to one place but then the other stuff that the company will allow you to do or the other stuff that the company company does for you will just mm -hmm. take it up a notch and that's that kind of sense of maybe fulfillment that uh, slowly you'll, you'll start to get that's very interesting yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting that you realize it so early on <laughs> that's cool so like coming from a background of nature and just enjoying um, working with uh, the environmental aspect of civil engineering 
do you know where you would see your like where do you see yourself in a couple of years maybe five or ten years do you have that image in your head or no like it's still unknown for you I think it's still unknown um I have kind of a an ambiguous image of like further than that but I think probably in the next five-ish years I'm hoping to be more in like a management kind of role um I really enjoy the field work kind of stuff and I wouldn't want that to go away like entirely but being a young adult eventually I would like to have more of like a family life and things like that so hopefully in that kind of time frame I'd be able to have more of a a stable like mm-hmm. more in the office than like right. on a drill rig kind of a thing but um I don't have any like big aspirations like set in stone right now for that mm-hmm. kind of time frame you know that's that's it's good to know because a lot of people assume that everybody has this end goal in in mind and that everybody's mm-hmm. hustling towards <laughs> that one big goal. But in reality, it's really not like that. People are taking it kind of day by day. Well, I mean, not yeah. maybe not just day by day, but <laughs> <laughs> they're only, like you said, like, okay, I want to start a family in the next couple of years. So you, but at the same time, you really enjoy the site aspect of things and the active aspect of it. So you're choosing a, a place of work where you could kind of switch. Like you could maybe mm-hmm. at one point in time, it'll be like 70, 30, maybe at one point in time, it'll be like, I don't know, 50, 50 or less. Right. So uh, I think it's most people, that's how they're planning their life and their career. And then they make the decision that makes them happiest at that point in time. Yeah. Versus like, that hustle culture I always talk about this hustle culture and how it, yeah. I think it's kind of portraying the wrong image about what it is actually like for a lot of people yeah, yeah. And I think hustle culture can be really like toxic sometimes because if if you want to be the person that's like in the office you know 80 hours a week and just always like go 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 like that's great but I think a lot of the time especially for like people kind of in, in our generation, it's portrayed like you have to be doing that if you mm-hmm. want to get ahead. And like, maybe I just want to work 40 hours a week and then go home and see, you know, my husband and my dog and like have downtime. And I think it can be kind of act like seen that that's like being lazy or like not dedicated to your career. But it's also super easy if you're always on that go, go, go to get burned out and then just want to be done. And then you still never accomplish anything because right. you want to be done. So I'd rather, I'd rather take my time and go at my pace and accomplish things maybe a little bit later than get burned out in three years and then still never accomplish anything personally. The way you hustled <laughs> through like changing your job and changing a situation that wasn't working for you and, and going into a, a position that is working for you, I think it's these key moments that mm-hmm. like that's the real hustle <laughs> you know what right. I mean the real hustle isn't like oh my god I'm working 8 a.m to 9 p.m every day like that actually what you did like that that move that smart clever logical move like I think that's what it that's more important making the, the best choices you can for what's going to make you and your heart happy is yeah. I think more important than getting that next promotion, getting that next pay raise, because like personally, I took a pay cut to move jobs because the the money wasn't even a factor. As long as I could live off what I made, it didn't matter what 
my income was going to be as long as it was making a better choice for both my physical and mental health to like shift this direction you know this is very interesting so you actually got a pay cut when you started this new job i and did yeah do you think you're showing your potential more in this in, like in this job or do you think you would have had um even though that maybe environment wasn't working well for you but maybe the job opportunity was or the money would have made you show your potential more like in which location so i think um well first of all i was definitely like overpaid at my last job <laughs> Don't say that. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just the right amount. <laughs> well, just like looking at like the averages of like the area, it was a, a little high, but um, I think, I think I'll have more potential um, and be able to like, I guess I'll, I've always had the same potential, but I think being in a more casual and like nurturing environment, I think I'll be able to reach more potential at my current job. Mm -hmm. Um Cause like I haven't changed, you know, personally, but I think I didn't really have any, any place to go up in, in the last job. Um, just with the way like, usually you have like your pyramid of like your organization structure. And with them, it was basically a flat line of like everyone at my level. And then in each office, you might have like three or four people that were like managers. Right. And so it was extremely difficult in the long run, unless someone above you like retires or quits. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult to actually see any change in your title to reflect the effort you were putting in to like progress in your mm -hmm. career. Yeah. So they kind of just give you like more responsibilities, but never actually <laughs> promote you in that sense. Um, and so it kind of gave off a feel of like, well, why even try and like get those, you know, promotions when nothing really comes along with that except more stress and like more work. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. And do you think what has community done for you? Like, let's say we're talking about Iron Ring Girls and or maybe you're a part of another community of women in STEM. Has that helped you ever in your um, in your journey? Yeah, I think I'm not currently part of a, a large group um, of like women in like industry, but just like in college, there were a few girls in the department and it was just really nice to have like those people that no matter what was going on, if you like sought them out and you were like, I need help, whether it's with with you, your major classes or with the personal problem or with some like random class, that group was like always there for you. Um, I actually had a, a roommate my last semester of college and she was also in the same department as me. And so like having that kind of person around all the time to like back you up, make sure that you, they know you're on the right track, you're making good choices and also be able to like help you and support you. Those kind of like friendships were I think like crucial to my success when I was in school and then keeping those relationships as I've moved forward into my career and they're all in different places now. Some of them are still in school, some of them are in different, you know, states for me also working, but I know I can still reach out and talk to those people okay. that were so supportive in college to help me now in my career as well. Mm -hmm. So nicely said. No, I agree. Like they're just always there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abigail, I think you are 
so authentic and you stay true to yourself throughout the whole process of um, deciding like what to study and then studying it and then finding a job. And I think that's very, like very special and unique. And uh, usually people that stay very true to themselves and are very authentic fulfillment, I would say, and they, they, they kind of trust their gut feeling to move forward. And it looks like you have that. And I think that's very inspiring, honestly. Thank you. And thank you for agreeing for, to, the, to be part of this interview. I'm so happy I met you. And uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Iron Ring Girls podcast. We have new episodes coming from other disciplines of engineering. Don't forget to rate and write a review of this episode and check out the Iron Ring Girls Instagram page and keep in touch with us. Mm-hmm.